Welcome back to Real Presence Radio Live. You're with Father Randall Kiesel here at the Church of St. Michael in Pine Island, Minnesota. It's time for a straight talk. And if you have a question you'd like to ask me, you're welcome to do so online. You can go through the Facebook page uh, or email uh, Real Presence Radio. The phone number to call is 877-795-0122. Again, if you have a question, call in 877-795-0122. And I encourage you to go to the Real Presence Radio website where they have great resources, a chance to submit a prayer request if you should like. Uh, they have some current Catholic news on the website as well, as well as if you listen to podcasts of uh, older programs. If you missed either of the first two interviews here today, a great interview from Sarah Park McLaughlin on the book that will be coming out in May, May 16th, Praying with St. Augustine, and just a marvelous conversation here with Terry Poplava from ACS Technologies, which coordinates studies of uh, people in our country, and the most recent one, American Belief Study, What Do People in Our Country Believe? It's a great service. Uh, I'm looking forward to going back and looking at the details of that study more in depth. Uh, Terry had a great insights he provided for us on parish life and uh, following our Lord and our country. But now we have Straight Talk 877-795-0122. And I have a question uh, come forward here. Uh, basically, it's like this. Father, uh, we have a lot of First Communions in our parish coming up. And do you have any suggestions that we could uh, look to regarding our young people receiving First Communion? And I know being a pastor and uh, that it's a great time of year for First Communions. It's one of the most joyful things to see in parish life, our young people receiving Jesus for the first time. And to, I would say, just for uh, if you're someone looking and watching and seeing these young people receive her first Holy Communion to pray for them, that their hearts may be open to respond to the great gift. Uh, we, the many parishes do an excellent job of teaching and formating uh, these young people to get ready to receive Jesus, and many times they're, they're really ready. They are so looking forward to this day. And perhaps they're also, we can invoke the, the saints in heaven. I uh, had reason to do a teaching on a great young saint, St. Saint Dominic Savio, recently and how he had a, a great a development to get ready to receive Holy Communion. So he, St. Dominic La Savio, he died in the year 815, 1857. Uh, he was 14 at that time when he passed away from an illness. Uh, however, at that time in Italy, he lived in Italy, uh, First Communion was normally offered at the age of 12 for young people, but St. Dominic was able to receive First Holy Communion at the age of 7. He did so because um, he had a great desire to receive Jesus in Holy Communion, and so he went to ask his pastor, can I, can I receive First Holy Communion? I, I really want to. And so the pastor, with an open heart, talked to him, received him, uh, questioned him, and found that he was competent. He was ready. He, he had a, a sincere knowledge and understanding. Uh, of Jesus and the, the Catholic belief in the Holy Eucharist. And so he, the, pre, the pastor said, yes, I will make an exception for you. You can receive Jesus here at the age of seven. And so St. Dominic, we know from after he received his first Holy Communion at the age of seven, he said, this is the greatest day of my life. And he was filled with such anticipation and delight that the day when it arrived, he, he was inspired to make certain promises to Jesus. And that became his, his response to the grace of first Holy Communion and union with Jesus in that power 
powerful way that every Holy Communion, including the First Holy Communion, can be in a special way. And I want to go through those uh, to encourage our listeners, as you see our, our young people, that they will, they will respond to our Lord in this great grace, always valuing and loving our Lord's Eucharistic presence uh, and the opportunity to receive Him. So the, the first promise He made to Jesus, and, and St. Dominic wrote these down on his first Holy Communion day, and we have them uh, written out by him. So his first promise to Jesus was, I will go to confession and communion as often as my confessor will allow. So he made a promise to our Lord that he would receive the sacrament of confession and go to Holy Mass and receive Holy Communion as much as he could. And he often went to daily Mass with his mom uh, thereafter to receive Holy Communion. So that was the first promise. The second one he wrote down to Jesus was, I will sanctify Sundays and Holy Days in a special way. So he set time aside on Sundays and Holy Days for prayer. He prepared uh, the day before, the night before, recollecting the graces that were to come in the next day. Uh, and he had special devotions to love our Blessed Mother on her days and St. Joseph the Saints and above all, of course, our Lord and, and the Holy Trinity on those days. So, But he had a conscientious plan or, or, or a, a heartfelt desire to sanctify those Sundays, keeping them uh, for that unique day as a, you know, Sundays and Holy Days are a gift to us uh, to grow with God and to love God and be with family and have a kind of leisure that we don't normally have on any other day. And the third one, uh, which I think is really, really intriguing, especially for, you think of our, our young people most of the time in second grade for First Communion, that he made a promise that Jesus and Mary will be my friends. So this is reflected an interior attitude that he will to receive and, and uh, be in friendship with Jesus and Mary as he lived through his days. It's a beautiful ideal, a beautiful idea. that. And then he gave himself little reminders, whether it's holy pictures or a crucifix. Or, uh, and then he engaged in, a, in an inner interior conversation, basically practicing the presence of God. So we all like to be in the presence of friends. And so he had that same mentality. He said, well, Jesus and Mary are present to me wherever I am. And I choose to be a friend to them, and I accept their friendship. Uh, a great way for his interior life to grow and to be developed. And then the last thing uh, was his attitude toward anything that would offend Jesus. And he said, Jesus, death but not sin. So he, he wanted to have sin out of his life uh, to become very good at virtue and listening and hearing the love and the voice of our, our Lord and the, the heart of our Blessed Mother. So his fourth promise is death but not sin, that he'd, in a sense, he'd rather die than to commit sin uh, that would offend Jesus grievously. So here is St. Dominic's response to that grace of First Holy Communion. These are just a few ideas, and there are other young saints, you know, Blessed Imelda and Saint, or Blessed Carlos uh, Acutis, who can teach us marvelous things about loving Jesus and following him. And But I think the thing that any parish can really support these young people by encouraging them and their response and their love for our Lord uh, from receiving Holy Communion. Another question has come in. Um, so when uh, I pray, I tend to pray to the Father or Jesus or the Holy Spirit. And thinking of the Trinity as one, are there ways to pray to all three as one? It seems like we separate them. Well, that's that's very good. That, that good question. And certainly there is room for thinking of God as one because God is one. God is has one nature, the divine nature. Uh, I sometimes preach on this because we, we can be forgetful of the oneness of God and that, well, basically we're not God. We're, he is the uncreated creator and God has always been. He is and is the source of all that exists in the created 
uh, world, and he always will be. And God uh, has never changed. No one created God. He has always been, and he always will be. And, and we begin to look at this and look at ourselves. Well, we all know as creatures, we were, we were, there was a time this world existed when we did not exist. And we were created at a point in time that God willed, and we came into the world. And God, you know, the thing about our relationship with God is, you know, our Lord didn't ask permission of us to create us. And so, uh, but we, he will not save us without our, our choice to cooperate with him. So we, we have to enter into relationship with him and uh, begin to uh, wrestle in faith with uh, the reality of God's existence, the reality of his personal love and that he wants to have a relationship. This all begins with faith. So we believe that God is one, one nature, uh, and yet at the very same time, the very same God is three unique persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and an unbreakable, eternal union of love. And the union of love is wrought by the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. For the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father. And the Father loves the Spirit, and the Spirit loves the Father. And the Son loves the Spirit, and the Spirit loves the Son. And the love between the Father and the Son is all united in the Holy Spirit. So one God in a union of love. And God is love. And His will, uh, which is one, expresses uh, uh, love. All God does is love. In fact, we just had Divine Mercy Sunday just over a week ago, and uh, the, one of the common expressions of well, what is Divine Mercy? It is God's love reaching to us in, you know, by a specific uh, desire of will in God, reaching to us and him, him encountering us in our misery, our suffering, our weakness, our, our sinfulness, and where his love coming to us, reaching out to us, meets us in our misery of sin, that is mercy. God showing us his mercy. And that is the, the working out of the beauty of that intersection of God's love and, and our misery was the, the bridge was healed in the the humanity of Jesus on the cross, where where right there was our that mystery of the the separation that was wrought by original sin and sinfulness, and that there could be inner healing in the interior heart of anyone who comes to belief in Jesus and receiving His love, uh, that the healing of the love uh, that was wrought about and offered as a gift in the, from the heart of Jesus on the cross. It's it's very beautiful when you think of our Lord's passion and and the great and glorious fruit and mystery that was brought about through him. Um, so yeah, there, there can be a way in which we separate them, uh, where we only speak to the Father, we only speak to the Son or the Holy Spirit, but a few things, a few pointers I would give here to, to try to wrap up this question a bit, because the, the teachings on the, the Trinity, in the seminary we had a whole class on the Trinity, we probably could have had you know, a long time studying more than just one class, it was a, a smattering of things that we covered, but, uh, but we, to go to the Father we go through Jesus. So Jesus says clearly in Scripture, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So certainly we pray to Jesus, and we do at the heart of the Mass, but we know even when we say, uh, we go to the Father, but we do so through Jesus, and even in the heart of the Mass, we pray the Our Father, that prayer was given to us by Jesus. And during the Mass, we know uh, that the priest and, and the, he's the leader and introduces, let us pray in the words our Savior has taught us. We're going to the Father, even addressing the Father, in union with and through Jesus. So that is a little pointer that I'd encourage you to re remember that we, we, we want, it is pleasing to the Father that we go in union with Jesus and through Jesus to him. And that, that will be our way uh, to our true homeland in heaven where we see the Holy Trinity face to face. Furthermore, 
the Father and the Son has given us the Holy Spirit, and it's good for us to have particular devotion to the Holy Spirit, maybe perhaps a, a regular novena or a daily prayer to the Holy Spirit, asking the Holy Spirit uh, to form the, the life and will of Jesus within us, because the, the, the Father gave the Son to us to, to be our Savior, and through faith in Jesus, then He makes us righteous through His precious blood. But the mission of the Holy Spirit is to form the life of Jesus within us. And so the, the Jesus is healing us within us, and His life and his voice then can teach us and lead us to be saved, to surrender to the will of the Father. And the Father sees the life of his Son being formed within us by the power of the Holy Spirit as we believe and then surrender ourselves in the obedience of faith, loving and trusting in God. Uh, so I got a few more questions that are coming in, so I'm going to move on from that. But that is a, an amazing question. Certainly, we can talk to God in general at any time, speak to him. Uh, but it does also please God uh, that we will speak to our Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and in union with, with them to God, our Heavenly Father. Uh, so it's a both and. Uh, um, uh, so, but I would say though that God is big. If we talk to our Lord Jesus, uh, and the Father is certainly not offended uh, that we may may, but but Jesus does want us. Uh, if we're really interacting with Jesus, He will lead us to approach the Father. So I, I think that they uh, gently, lovingly will help us to learn all three that each one wants us to learn all three of their particular way in which we relate to them, but they also then will show us that they are one, that one God. We worship only one God. God is one. So, um, another question that just came in, um, uh, why do Protestants have less books in their Bible than Catholics do? Well, it's a good question. So, uh, so, when we think of the Bible, we can ask the question, well, where did the Bible come from? Uh, so actually the Bible as a collection of books, because that's what the Bible is, the Old Testament is made up of the Old Testament books and the New Testament is made of the New Testament books. The, 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 the group or the, the ones who put this together was the Catholic Church. So the Catholic Church has uh, the fullness of the Bible that the Holy Spirit led to be put together uh, early in the church. And so when uh, various persons came later, uh, around the year 1500 and 1530, uh, there was a questioning of the Catholic doctrines and following the authority of the Catholic Church and what that meant. And as part of a, there was a breaking away and um, the groups that uh, ended up breaking away from the Catholic Church, uh, we call them, or they're, generally they take on the title also being Protestants, and there's different names for different groups among that. Uh, but generally, the, the books that were questioned by those who then were breaking away from the Catholic Church, they took the Bible of the Catholic Church, and then uh, based on what their ideas were, uh, not receiving or accepting the authority of the Church, or not receiving or accepting some of the teachings of the Catholic Church, uh, any books in the Bible that affirmed the Catholic teachings or would... Um, uh, be contradictory to the direction they were going and breaking away, generally that was the pattern of th saying, we're going to remove these books. These books will not be in what we have as the Bible uh, from that time when they made those decisions. And So it's, we don't really have time to develop all the individual circumstances, but I know you know, person of Martin Luther uh, removed some books from the Catholic Bible. Uh, uh, there were others personages who were what we know now as the Protestant action coming in that uh, 1500 time frame uh, who deemed some books to not be a part of what should be the inspired word of God. Uh, but the reality is, is that the Catholic Church 
given to us by Jesus, the one church that he founded. Uh, that church alone was given authority uh, to Peter, the first apostle, and then through apostolic succession and the, the succession of the papacy. Uh, so the, the papacy with the magisterium and relying upon the Holy Spirit that it has the only authority to provide for what we are to have as the deposit of faith and, and revelation. So revelation comes to us from the Word of God, which is Jesus, and he shared us with us revelation in, in two ways. It was scripture, sacred scripture, and tradition. And the only authentic power that God has given to us to interpret scripture and tradition and to hold the unity of the church is the, is the Pope and the magisterium united to the Pope. So we surrender that to Jesus and and those anyone who have broken away we pray for reunification and a full acceptance of what our Lord's work has been in founding the church and leading us in the life of the church so great question thanks for that I can go on for quite a while more about uh, some of these details but hopefully that's enough that you can get into some research on your own as well uh, another question came in we have many saints in our Catholic Church but often we hear about only the the big ones, the big players, you know, Peter, Paul, maybe uh, some of the apostles and doctors of the church. And, and uh, do you have any favorite obscure saints that you think could use more devotion or recognition? <laughs> That's funny. I had a, uh, uh, a priest friend, uh, a mentor, he's gone on to his eternal reward now, but he was uh, fond of uh, spreading devotion to the, 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 the holy helpers. There's 14 holy helpers. Uh, that are part of the tradition, you know, St. Christopher was one of them, and there's several others that are more obscure. I, I encourage you to, to look up or perhaps do an online search of the 14 holy helpers, and uh, I know there was one time I did a, a, a particular devotion over two weeks to each each holy helper and, and asked for particular prayers and intercessions. Each one can have a way of helping, you know, like some saints who are not on the current calendar are, are, are still considered saints. You know, they might think of St. Christopher and St. Barbara, uh, St. Philomena is another one. They're, they're saints, and it's just that we're, we don't have a, the religious expression uh, liturgically each year as had been done perhaps some time ago. Uh, so, But for myself, um, uh, some of the more obscure saints, uh, um, I think of, well, one I was just praying to today, St. Dominic Silos, uh, who was uh, a Benedictine monk uh, in... Um, in uh, Spain uh, around the year 1000 roughly and he uh, he was credited for interceding and bringing reform uh, into the church in Spain at that time and uh, one of the uh, the big credits is that he had a, a role in the conception of St. Dominic, who was the founder of the Dominicans, and it's believed that he, Dominic, uh, who found, Dominic de Guzman, who founded the Dominicans, received his name from his mother due to Dominic Silos, uh, who uh, told his mother he would conceive and have a son who would have a special purpose in the plan of God, and certainly he did. Uh, St. Dominic Silos, the was known for miracles and intercession in a variety of ways. So I would say St. Dominic uh, Silos is one of those obscure ones. I also like uh, a Saint, uh, St. Oliver Plunkett. Uh, he was a, a bishop. He lived and worked in Ireland. He was martyred around the year 1600. Uh, his, uh, I had read at some point his feast day was actually December 3rd, and that's an important day for me. That was my birthday. So I thought, well, who's my, some of my saints on December 3rd? So I seen Oliver Plunkett. I like that name, too. It's just a great name, Oliver Plunkett. Uh, but he was uh, martyred 
uh, he was betrayed by some people uh, whom he had known and captured in the persecution of that time, and he was hung, drawn, and quartered. So he had a difficult uh, martyrdom, but he persevered in the love of our Lord, and he's uh, one of the, the saints of our time as well. Um, I have a devotion to St. Philomena. Uh, some people, our listeners may know of her or heard of her. Some may not. Uh, but tell you what, if you know St. Philomena and um, you have her as your friend, uh, she'll just, she sticks to you. She'll be a friend for you, and she will help you, and she will uh, encourage you to in- ask for her prayers and bring things to her. She's, she is a great friend. Uh, she really is. Uh, she's a great friend. And, but, but as far as we, we all ought to have devotion, you know, this is things, is, are there any saints that we ought to have devotion to? Yes. Above all, our Blessed Mother. Every day, some devotion to our Blessed Mother, the rosary, wear her brown scapular, miraculous medal, carry the rosary in your pocket, pray the rosary, um, be some devoted to our Blessed Mother, have an image of our Blessed Mother, whatever, you know, she's the queen of all saints, she's the queen of heaven, she's the mother of God, and she is the first and foremost saint of all. Uh, but I encourage you to find some obscure saints. And uh, my mentor, a priest, I mentioned that he, he said some of the more obscure ones, they don't have as much business. So try to find uh, some of the, the saints who are obscure and see, read on their lives, ask them to pray for you. Uh, he said they, they have less to do in heaven to intercede for others, and they're delighted to have someone uh, knocking on their heart, say, hey, will you pray for me? And they get really excited about that. So I think that that is a great thing to do, to have a, a, a favorite some favorite saints who are maybe have less business in heaven. They're less, less uh, clients on earth to pray for them, to, to pray for you. Okay, so uh, another question came in. Uh, so what really happened during the Inquisition? Well, that's a great question. I'll tell you right up front. Uh, I'm not a uh, historian, and I'm not going to have the best of answers for this, but there are some great books even recently. I encourage you to, to find a book that has, that's written well of the Inquisition. And so the Inquisition generally uh, gets a more negative uh, perception or a more negative pre- presentation uh, than uh, ought to be given to it. And the, the basic idea of the Inquisition was is that, that society or, or civil society is formed by the, the law of God, and it's informed by faith and following Jesus, that the ideal is that Jesus uh, is the, the governor of our hearts and our desires and our hopes, and that the, the threat to not only faith and life in the church, but the threat to disorder in society and and in in civil society between peoples living in cities and states is is us that the disorder is is sin, and so breakdown in faith through rebellion from Jesus uh, in uh, can be uh, due to sin, and and sin comes from. Uh, ideas that are that are wrong about God, you know, temptations, and and so the Inquisition was really about studying or looking at uh, places and areas or ideas that were coming up through persons in different ways, whether it be in uh, theological studies or 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 um, uh, different groups of people in different areas that were that were rebelling against some aspect of faith. So it was seeking to address that and seeking to do so in an attempt to do so justly uh, through uh, inquiring so that the inquisitor was someone who came and asked questions. You know, I understand you have these ideas. Can you tell me about them? How does this relate to our Catholic faith? Uh, how does this relate to uh, um, 
um, the expression of faith is this following the tradition does this is this found in scripture so it was a it was a the inquisition has a negative tone too but really it was a an inquiry and it was done in an official way um, there were some mistakes made uh, but there by and large though there there was uh, some great success as well in, in aiding souls and helping things to be clear. And some people realized they were in error and they changed their ways. And others who were the Holy Spirit was inspiring were realized to not be in error. Like one of the my favorite saints, St. Teresa of Avila, uh, she was uh, underwent the process of the Inquisition. And, uh, and people had accused her in her writings of... Uh, a form of quietism uh, that is uh, that that was a kind of heresy in the you know it was around the year 1550 or so where people just thought just to be present to our Lord but not engage in a relationship and and that there is a this real uh, uh, out of balance passiveness in relationship with God uh, so that was she was accused of that but then when she was uh, was questioned and asked about what is this? What is the spiritual life that you're teaching? And you know, she was exonerated. She said, "No, this this is in the tradition. This is a misunderstanding of what you're saying or or writing." Or perhaps she had, you know, some people perhaps maybe didn't like her or something. We don't really know all those details, but you know, that was one where it worked real well, and and uh, God provided uh, for her exoneration in what she was teaching and doing. Uh, so the Inquisition had some positive aspects in it, including in Spain. And St. Teresa of Avila was a Spanish saint. So I encourage you to strive to learn more from, from good and trusted uh, sources uh, that give an accurate and balanced uh, history of the Inquisition. And we have a few minutes left here uh, on our, um, on our, on our uh, questioning. And one, one question uh, coming through here is, what about... Um, uh, presenting the gospel and at this point at Easter, what is the, the most important information to give to people? And so, one, we just had the divine mercy and to let people may know that not only that they're loved, but there is a message of love. And, and uh, so the, the message that we actively present, I, I use the term ABC. So, one, uh, we intercede, we ask for mercy. So A is ask. We ask God for mercy every day. A beautiful thing with our Blessed Mother, St. Joseph, Lord, have mercy on me. And that's how we have every day we, near the beginning of Mass, uh, we ask for mercy. Uh, the B is be merciful. So each day is a new opportunity to express uh, works of mercy, whether it's in your own home, your own vocation, your family, uh, be merciful to forgive each other, to ask for forgiveness, to do works of mercy, which include the corporal works of mercy, the spiritual works of mercy, and you can study on how to be merciful. So, A, ask for mercy, be merciful, and then C is complete trust. So completely trust in Jesus. He is love and goodness and mercy himself. He, he wills only our good. And the closer we come to him, the more he will lead and teach us. And that trust at times can be very difficult to choose and difficult also to experience in our, in our interior life. But we can ask our Blessed Mother for her heart to help us, that we may trust and have confidence in union with her heart and St. Joseph and any other uh, various patron saints uh, that we can ask them for help to have complete trust in Jesus, who merits our complete trust. We know this intellectually, but how difficult it can be to have that be the truth of action in our hearts and our wills uh, as we live our days. Great questions, all who uh, contacted us. Thank you for taking time to do that. And we're going to be right back after this break. You're here with Father Randall Kazel at Church of St. Michael in Pine Island, Minnesota. We'll be right back. 
Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. We'll be right back. 